Not to be confused with Without a Paddle, When Nature Calls, we watched Without a Paddle, Nature's Calling. So that means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all. Earth child and thunderstorm, man. I haven't thought about them in years. Talk about boner fighters. Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined in person for the first time a year and a half with both Brian the Unipiper Kid and Mark Middleton. How are you guys? I'm really well and this is super exciting. Yes. And it also happens to be the hottest day in history in <laughs> yeah. Portland. So yeah. it's uh, it's a day of, uh, reckoning. Uh, of, of reckoning. And thanks to climate change, that doesn't necessarily date this show. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, hottest day of the year so far. <laughs> I did see yesterday. Literally until tomorrow. We were, yes. We were, Portland, Oregon uh, was hotter than 98.5 places on the face of the earth yes like it was the mojave desert like sahara Sahara desert and california death valley i think yeah so that's pretty crazy (laughs) so we wanted to take a little Uh, vacation and go do some rafting in this month's choice uh, which is without a paddle nature's calling which is conspicuous that it is not without a paddle to Nature's Calling, because I don't think this movie has anything to do other than sharing a poster and loose loose plot with the original Nature's, or Nature's Calling, uh, without a paddle. Well, in the credits, it said based on, like, so I was like, is it a remake? I noticed that, too. That was yeah. the weird, based on the movie, but, Without a Paddle. But but wait a minute. Okay, so it's based on a movie called Without, does anyone, has anyone seen that movie? Yes. Yeah, so I got excited when you first said, oh, let's do Without a Paddle, Nature's <laughs> Calling. And I was like, oh, I remember having seen that movie and enjoyed it in kind of the road trip or Euro trip kind of you know, post-American Pie silly comedy. And so I was shocked to, to to find out that that was not what this movie was. It is... What is it? What is? What is? What is? Without, without a Paddle, Nature's Calling. Do you think they didn't call it uh, Without a Paddle, When Nature Calls, because there was already a sequel with the subtitle When Nature Calls, Ace Ventura 2? Yes, that was the other thing I read that shares that. But that was the original one was called Without a Paddle, When Nature Calls. Really? Yes. It had a, the, So the original movie had a subtitle. Had a subtitle. And <laughs> so does this one. So what I'm guessing happened here is that... Whatever, I didn't see what company made this mo- this motion picture, um, which was straight to video. It wasn't released in theaters. I imagine they found this script in a drawer somewhere. And only because it was so similar to the idea of three people go rafting to do something or other, they maybe had to credit uh, the story source because of similarities, because... There are no returning plot lines. There are no return. And I watched Without a Paddle, When Nature Calls, the original one, which came out in 2004. I watched it again after I watched this one. It does not hold up quite as quite as well as I thought. But that one had Matthew Lillard and Seth, Seth Green, Green and, um, oh, I forget the third. Some other guy. And, and Guy, uh, who are, the movie wasn't good, but their performances were redeeming enough to elevate the material a little bit, which I can't say for its follow-up. So I guess this movie wasn't actually called Without a Paddle 2. It's just literally Without a Paddle, colon, Nature's Call. Right. So every time I I was doing a Google search, I was getting confused because I couldn't find anything with a 2 behind it. So there's got to be some SAG-AFTRA, you know, insider business credit thing where... This, but maybe this was fan fiction. I feel like we're cabin fever all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that yeah. one at least followed the story. So the storyline of the first one is that there's Matthew Lillard, Seth Green, and other guy um, who I forget the reason. It's the same thing. Like we're workaholics and we're in our twenties, so let's go take a rafting trip. They accidentally burn down the marijuana field of two like hill people. Then the hill people are chasing them. And that's kind of the whole story 
Um, and at the end, you know, and, but then the sheriff's in on it and that kind of a story. So as far as the storylines go, the only thing that is similar is that they are rafting down a river and people are following them. But then this one gets out of the river, whereas the other one. So it. The, oh, and the first one was very full of like the early 2000s gay panic. Like it's cold outside. We're all going to have to snuggle together. Like, oh, like that. <laughs> there sort of was thing. a moment. There was a that. one moment. There of, was yeah. some of that in here, too. But yeah, not nearly. It was funny to see in that original one. I wrote in my notes. This was back when not gay equals funny. Right. Totally. <laughs> this had a Both these movies had a case of the not gays. Uh, this also had a case of uh, every single nine, late 90s music needle drop. <laughs> Which is funny because only like the first seven minutes takes place in the 90s. Well, and that's, I guess, why my list stopped because I was like, yeah, in that first nine minutes, there's the Spin Doctors, there's that song Follow Follow You Down, there's the Roll to Me Gin song. Blossoms. Gin Blossoms. So, and then it just ends. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't take place in the 90s anymore, but I thought that would be... Maybe more of it. Well, that's obviously where all their money went, was in licensing <laughs> those songs. Um, uh, yeah, so, so the poster for this movie says, wilder, hotter, nuttier. And so, Todd, I think you're in the unique position to, to let us know if that is actually uh, the, the case. <laughs> is this movie wilder, hotter, and nuttier, I, I guess, than the first one? I don't know. Squirrelier, maybe. <laughs> there we go. It is squirrelier. There were no sentient squirrel mobsters <laughs> wielding knives in the first one, from what I remember. Um, it was. I, I believe this one is would be considered hotter only because they meet the the um, the girls in this one, and the other one didn't have that, as far as I remember. So this one, I guess they win. You win, poster. <laughs> it was hotter and nuttier than the first one. <laughs> and then on the poster, there's also a squirrel holding two giant acorns oh like, at its God. crotch. So I was wondering, who was this movie for? It is rated PG-13, I believe. I think this movie is for 12-year-olds. For the discount bin at Walmart. <laughs> like, no, that they need product to Something fill because, yeah, that shelf. It was straight to video. So, yeah, and I think, Mark, you're right. <laughs> They put a PG-13 on there to attract the 12-year-olds. That was the first thing like, that caught me was when I saw that it was rated PG-13. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we're not going like super bad. You, you know, never you never see a boob, but they right. talk a real about boob. boobs. Right. right. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Spoil the one thing I loved in this movie. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, it... it, it what I noticed too is that the many of the main leads, the two guys, and then the the girls were like the one the the one male lead, um, not not the hippie guy, but the the banker guy or whatever he did. Um, he was like, and she's all that, and um, some of the Amanda Bynes movies from that age. So he was kind of, I I figured this was like graduating from the Disney Channel two real movies it felt like this was trying to be that little in-between step right right at that time a poor poor man zach efron totally totally well he looked like if if um slater from saved by the bell like never was into weightlifting (laughs) he was just like a regular guy (laughs) like deflated slater was our main (laughs) Uh oh we've lost mark (laughs) sorry just just dreaming (laughs) Uh, Mark looks down Deflated Slater <laughs> Deflated Slater <laughs> That was my nickname in the Navy <laughs> Not gay Not gay <laughs> So we did the, the one This is not a very good movie Clearly um, <laughs> And I wa- <laughs> Spoiler Spoiler alert It's on Amazon Prime So anyone can watch it And I watched it And Brian you had asked Is this worth an episode Or whatever And yeah, Todd's I, like our guinea pig You always seem to Is as soon as I even suggest a movie, you're you're halfway through it. I'm, <laughs> as you're finishing the sentence, I watched it, um, and I, I think it was a it's a nice palate cleanser because we've been kind of mired in '80s TV movies and like even the resolution on like it was just nice to look at something that looked like a real movie that I didn't have to engage too much with. Uh, that being said, I don't I don't know that Oregon has looked better. 
on film the parts like the rafting stuff that they did in this movie yeah, yeah like for a straight to video movie that rafting stuff was really cool they were like in the boats with the actors on the rapids and so there was one thing i thought that was interesting in in those types of scenes they chose to film or like maybe they put zero thought into it and it just how it ended up but they chose to film when it was like cloudy um, oh. And it, it was not like bright and sunny. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it was the off season. And so they were able to get better deals on the, the guides and the equipment. Well, like, and part of that, I mean, if one of the problems of filming in the Portland yeah. area is that it's always cloudy and inconsistent. Like you can't in California, it's like, oh, will it be sunny that day? Well, of course it will be. It'll but for be a movie like this, you would think that they would just like play it up to where it's... I imagine it was like, we have three days to do this. And that's kind of what I was saying. Type of thing. Yeah. But I mean, what they did in that three days was, I was really impressed with the, with the, and just to think of like, I mean, making a movie is a pain in the butt anyway. Like even a scene at a restaurant takes all day and doing anything outside like that is a pain. But having to do that in a raft where you have to get your actors back out and up the river and then dropped off. I mean, what a pain in the butt. So it was neat to see that they at least put really effort into, yeah. into that part. Um, so I thought Oregon and it looked like they, in the credits, there was some, some of that rafting stuff was filmed in New Zealand and you can, if you're totally, oh, was it, if you're paying attention to the background, you can huh. uh, lots of the stuff that was in like the the wider shots was in Oregon because you can tell in the background in the New Zealand stuff there's a lot more like fern and palm type like lush under undergrowth that we don't really have here. Oh, interesting. And, and so I think maybe there was some, maybe a specific couple waterfalls that were in New Zealand that were right. better. But hmm. but I don't know where they went rafting. But it really made me want to go rafting again because boy I miss I miss going out on on those rivers. But it, I it was it out great. towards uh, Estacada. Oh, that's right. Because there was, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit more about some uh, locations. Well, the first location that I noticed, well, the first location I, I noticed that I could not identify and I was like, this is right up Todd's wheelhouse. I bet Todd knows what high school that was. I think that high school was in Southern California. It was called Palm Ridge, I think. Was it? And then I looked at the license plates of the cars and those were all California too. Because oh, huh. the story starts in California and they travel to Oregon, even though his office yes. is in Big Pink, which I thought was funny. Well, it wasn't it's in not... Big Pink because you oh. can see Big Pink out yeah. his window. No, it's it's the 2002 uh, or 2002 um, Third Street. It's right, right across. It's that silver... Uh, okay. Building right across from. I thought uh, I was seeing the Wells Lansing Fargo China. Tower in the background, but I guess not. No, it was uh, an amazing. I love that view, though. Yeah, I sent you a couple photos. And yeah, it was so funny because the scene when lawyer guy is in his office talking to his hippie friend, um, it, it is almost. It looks exactly like the um, Brendan Fraser scene from Extraordinary <laughs> Measures when he's. <laughs> so yeah, there's a picture. Of Brendan there's Brendan, Brendan Fraser from Extraordinary Measures. And, <laughs> and there he is, not not uh, not Slater on the phone. I had a question. It has been a long time since I've worked in an office. I've been a, a freelancer for, boy, like 18 years now. Are there still people that rush in and put giant stacks of files and papers like in your inbox? <laughs> because that's like what this guy is always shorthanded movies to like, you're going to have to stay the weekend or whatever. Here's the big bundle of papers. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't answer that. Okay, yeah. I wondered if the lawyer still worked on paper basis or if they're just like, you have to translate through that reading an email now to do that. Okay, so we had um, a high school that was probably in California. Yeah. Uh, then we had the office in Portland. Mm. Um, then I think the next scene of any uh, recognizable features was probably driving through town, which was um, uh, Sandy. Estacada. Um, I think... I've got a screenshot. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, I did see Estacada was thanked in the... Well, because they go past the mur the mural in yeah. Estacada when they, they like pull into town or whatever. Oh, to the, that's to the bar. Okay. That, that's, yeah, that little little town. Now, if you look up Mad Dog's Hobbies... That's what I did. That's oh. in Estacada. Or in Sandy. in Sandy. Yeah. But if you look at the screenshot in the maps, uh, it's in downtown Estacada. I, Maybe I, it moved. Um, or they have two locations. Oh, maybe they have two look. Yeah, yeah. Oh, funny. Uh, in today's World. screenshot, yeah. Mad uh, Mad Dogs, Dogs hobby. Hobbies is still there. Huh. Oh, funny. Yeah. Okay, I, that's why I, I said, used the same clue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> knew exactly what you went to. 
Well, I noticed the mural because it was made famous in Harvest of Fear. So that's how oh, I knew it from. Oh, look at you. <laughs> um, oh, man. Speaking of Harvest of Fear, um, uh, one of the actors, uh, one of the two um, Home Alone bad guy characters in this movie, um, it says that in his uh, IMDb, he is currently filming Devil's Lake. <gasps> Which one? Um, yeah, look at that because there was a there's a treasure trove of Portland uh, Portland movies movies in the credits here uh, of a lot of these people. And speaking of, before we get too far out of this, so this movie begins in the 90s and it shows these two kids get into high school uh, who grow up eventually to become our main characters. And the two kid actors playing um, the the kid, the freshman in high school, were like really good. And this is their only movie credit. I noticed that, that they seemed, they, they were not bad. Because I remember, I was like, oh, he's, like, it wasn't like, oh, that must be the producer's son or whatever. I was like, those mm-hmm. are two competent, like, 13-year-old actors that were really good. Um, so, yeah, the, the, it's the two freshmen, they grow up. The one not deflated Slater is, like, an accountant or a lawyer or something. Um, the other guy, who's, what's the other guy's name? The one who clearly is supposed to be Matthew, Matthew Lillard type. His character's name? Yeah. Zach. 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 Okay. Um, so uh, actor Todd A. Robinson uh, says, currently filming Devil's Lake. Wow. Was he in the, Was he in Harvest of Fear? And he wasn't. No. No. Interesting. Those aren't in his uh, resume. Does it say what character he is in Devil's Lake? Yeah. It says he's a character named Max Reynolds. <gasps> Spoilers. There is <laughs> a character named Max there, Reynolds. There's a character named Max, Max Reynolds. It turns out that he's the murderer. <laughs> we just spoiled it for everyone. Um so the, uh, they agree to go on a trip out into the Oregon woods to find this girl that Deflated Slater had a crush on in his freshman year. The girl, she was shown in high school at getting people to sign a petition for to stop uh, school dissections, which apparently is so such an affront to the school system that she is shown being dragged from the building with one of the, like the superintendent saying like, you're done at this school. It's like, what planet are we living on? Oh, Mark has a, a screenshot of or a um, Google maps. Uh, is that uh, Estacada? Yeah. Uh, so this is mad dogs, hobby shop. Okay. And then uh, the, Oh, the mirror. There's the, the mural. mural. Yep. And that's where they had the bar scene right over here. Nice. Yeah. yeah I think some of the other stuff was in uh, uh, Harvest of Fear, too. So in the movie, when they're going, they're getting ready to start on their um, uh, rafting trip. So the whole, I guess the whole premise of them going on the rafting trip is that um, a hippie friend works in a retirement or a, a convalescent center. And one of his patients is about to die. Is the grandma from Wedding Singer. Who... Yes. Played by the old lady from The Wedding Singer. <laughs> who does the rapping, which... I was shocked not only that she was still alive, but she like looked younger than she did in Wedding Singer. Yeah. So it's always interesting to see. Did you look at her whole uh, resume? No, I didn't. So she only started acting like when she was old. So she only ever played old characters. Wow. Sometimes that's my dream to like just totally. be 70 and like somehow stumble into like yes. an Ian McKellen type role where you don't have to deal with that. Yeah. So she, she sends them off to find her grandma sends them to find her granddaughter to be part of the will or whatever. To, yeah. To see her before she dies. What yeah. year was wedding singer? Like 1998. Yeah. Like, like 10. So like 10 years earlier. Before, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Roughly like that. Um, Okay, and so then they stop in this town. Um, They're also with the with the old lady's step step grandson, who is the Nigel Nigel, the most annoying character I've ever seen in a movie. Who, believe it or not, actually is British from from London (laughs) with the worst British accent. (laughs) I was very surprised. I I was like, "There's no way that's a real accent." (laughs) Born and raised in London. Uh, Yeah, so he Nigel is along for the ride too, and just I was not I was not a fan of of him. Um, But so so they stop in uh, Estacada to get their rafting supplies, and uh, they send Nigel off to secure the raft while the two guys go and have a drink in the bar. Um, did you do any research to figure out what bar that was? I I thought it may be the same one that was kind of the exterior. I doubt it. I so doubt it. I Googled because they go into the bar and the first thing they comment on is that the fact that they have actual stuffed tigers on display in the bar. Right. So I Googled like Oregon stuffed tiger bar. <laughs> 
and it is the Safari Club, which no longer exists, but it was a bar in Estacada that was just filled with um, stuffed uh, like games. Yeah, like I saw game. that. And I was like, <laughs> the size of this room and the fact that they have all these animals, this is a place that it, exists. It existed. Wow. Uh, and there was an article from the Oregonian when they closed uh, in like 2013. Wow. Oh, so it was like very recently then. Yeah. I didn't. There are two characters listed at the bottom of the IMDb credit. So they might, they're clearly not in it very much. And they are listed as Kyle and Lyle. Were those the only thing I can think of since they're listed so late is were they the bullies in in school? Because the kids kind of got roughed up one day or whatever at school when they were in high school. And that's the only thing I can think of. Um, but one of them, his, uh, the actor's name is Will Cuddy who has been in oh i yeah i wanted to he has been a walk in my a walk in my shoes he has been without a paddle he was in wild and so he definitely is is a local local, local working actor so it was interesting to see him listed so far down in this mm-hmm. um, but um yeah all of these people and there's one his name is Glenn Baggerly and he's listed his character as managing partner he was he was the guy that did they just show his waist? They his? only showed his waist down, and that's why he was uncredited. Okay, because his his IMDb starting his very yeah. first movie is Shadow Play, which yeah. is what he's, we did. He's in everything, <laughs> Last everything year. local. Yeah, and music within, without a paddle, leverage, grim, um, all of that stuff. So so he is. It was it's it's fun to see the people that are local showing up in all these. In all these movies. So they go, they head out into, there is a part I wanted to play here. Who was, uh, I was going to ask about that because I, I did make that connection that he was also in Shadow Play, which was our last episode. Archie, do you remember a character named Archie? I don't. Yeah. In, in, oh, I thought you were going to, I, I, I thought you would reveal no, all. Uh, Archie no. in Shadow Play? <laughs> yeah. Which one was Shadow Play? No. Is the one that we did last? They the two brothers, the lighthouse, the two brothers that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them falls off a lighthouse. Yeah, I don't remember. So uh, I'm gonna play a clip. Uh, this is of them in the bar since we're talking about the bar scene, and the two our two main guys, you know, get in, get roll into Estacada and they go into this bar to find the missing girl, Buttercup. What is her name? Earth, uh, chi- Earth child, Earth finger, he- Earth child, Heather, Heather, thunderstorm, and Earth child. <laughs> of course. And so they're talking to these people at a bar. Um, so I can't, they, they, they mention the name Earth Child or Heather or whatever. And there's another patron at the bar that says, oh, oh, I know her. And I can't figure out what he says. So maybe you guys can help me here. Is this the guy wearing like the punk jacket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that takes the Polaroid photo of them to put yeah, on the death wall. To put on the death wall, which I have questions about the death wall, but let's let's get to the scene first. Okay. Have you ever seen this girl before? So not with this guy. So Earth this. child. Earth child. child. Her hippie name. I never did learn her real name. She and her pal uh, Thunderstorm came in here. Didn't like the atmosphere much. Earth child and Thunderstorm, man. I haven't thought about them in years. Talk about boner fodder. <laughs> boner fodder. Does he say boner, boner fodder? fodder? Yes, he does. Because yeah. okay, I wrote down, <laughs> did he just say boner fodder? So, so I, Which watched, is somehow like, I watched this with subtitles subtitles. <laughs> and it 100% unequivocally. Which I boner somehow fodder. thought was too, like almost too clever. Somehow for this this character to say boner fodder. Todd's gonna add that one to his vocabulary. <laughs> I'm like, that's legitimately great. Uh, there's also a little town called Shady Mills or Shady. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But it but it does. I, it's not called Shady Shady Mills now. It's called something else because I think that bridge still exists. Because I did. I'll have to find it again. But it's like now called Shady Crest or something like that. Um, but I feel like I found that bridge which they initially cross. And then you also see in the background quite a bit when they're on the river. So they must have filmed around that bridge. Cause every once in a while you still see it in the background as they're huh. rafting down. But I felt like I found that, found that place. And maybe it was cause there was a credit for it or something like that. Weird. So they, in this bar, they ask about the missing girl, earth feather and thunderclaps. <laughs> 
Yep, that's their name. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they live out in the forest, but don't go out there because something's scary and something's killing everyone. And they have a wall of death. Is that what they called it? Yeah, the wall of death. The wall of death with all of these pictures on it. Now, this, speaking of Harvest of Fear, is another situation where a small town... Has a hundred missing people. <laughs> has like lost 75% of their population to the woods. These and... movies are in the same cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe it's the harvest killer that is <laughs> killing the people. Devil's Lake. <laughs> so yeah, that was baffling to me. So they take the pictures of the kids before they head out to add to the wall of the wall of the dead, which they are not very concerned about, I guess, since it's more of a, a silly thing in the bar as opposed to... <laughs> Well, you can imagine that they put the picture of those two guys up on the up wall. Up on the wall. Clearly, at the end of the movie, they don't go back to that bar to let them know to let them know that they're not dead. I so, guess nobody, so they, they become so, dead. So, pretty much any non regular customer <laughs> is on their death wall. Like anyone they who just, just assumed that I they've gone on that to idea. Be dead. And I I love thinking that there is some bar out there somewhere that takes a picture of every person who's not a regular and just puts them on the wall that people will never see again. Someone that just didn't like the service and right? didn't come back is now added to the wall of the dead. I love that. <laughs> um yeah, so I had another note about how great the rafting was. There is a lot of reliance on the Motorola Q phone. Uh, blackberry phone in this one because this is in 2009 uh-huh. right before kind of the smartphone revolution took over uh in movies so they have an amazing cell service because the lawyer's like on his phone the whole oh, yeah. trip in the middle of the like woods. in the middle of the river and in the middle yeah. of the woods and in 2009 <laughs> he had verizon um and then i just wrote down so the motorola camping and then squirrel fight so who wants to tra- mark why don't you transition that's, that's all mark the- the squirrel fight. How does this movie bridge to Pete's dragon? <laughs> this is the moment uh, that it bridges to to the original 1977 Pete's dragon, where CGI, uh, you know, apparently even 18 years after Jurassic Park, regressed so bad that it was basically cartoon characters that they were fighting with. And so... Uh, the the more swarthy one woke up to see um, the squirrels, one in his bag and one drinking from the keg and uh, shoes them away, but they get pissed and then they summon the rest of the squirrels and they start this squirrel gang fight against them. And so they uh, these these guys abandon their campsite and all of their possessions and jump into the raft and leave because based on being chased, chased by squirrels. Turns out that the squirrels also uh, took a knife and slit the bottom of the raft. <laughs> Two knife, both of those squirrels <laughs> held up knives. knives and didn't just like run with them in their teeth. And sl- they were like up on their back legs, with, holding them in their with little po- opposable thumbs and <laughs> looking at each other and giggling that they were and able then, to. And then they like high five, a little <laughs> handshake and everything. So it, it was corny, like Pete's dragon corny. Uh, and up until that moment, there hadn't been anything in the movie that, you know, really smashed the reality right. right it was yeah it was fairly well grounded up until this point and it wasn't just that it's like realistic looking squirrels you know doing like it's they're putting up their dukes and they're handling thing and like yeah, they're it was it was like the boss, boss baby of of <laughs> ludicrousness and then uh on on the same you know 10 minutes later in the movie uh there's a fight between the same guy and a uh, hummingbird yeah. and and so the hummingbird is blocking the view of the girl that he's got a crush on he tries to shoo him away and 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 so there's this like five minute scene with endless. him pl- trying to shoo away this hummingbird <laughs> and 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 what did that even do like in the scene you know he was trying to talk to the girl and you you assume he's trying to tell her that he loves her but the bird the, the hummingbird just keeps getting in his way and like, it just felt like they had a contract with a cgi company named they had know, cyber ninjas they and had, they're like <laughs> we need 
CGI in this to fulfill our quota. And so we have twelve dollars left. <laughs> so we can why don't we do a hummingbird that <laughs> flies around and looks like garbage? Yeah, so they abandon everything that they have because of those those squirrels. And then they what I thought was the neatest shot in the movie where they go over Silver Falls. They did go over Silver Falls. And at first I thought maybe there was people on that boat, but I I think they were probably just dummies. dummies yeah, they were 100% dummies. Really there that. was no real humans. It was very, it was like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom <laughs> levels of like <laughs> falling out of the sky with a raft. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Silver Falls looked really, really cool in that. And I was, it was shocking to suddenly see because in my head I was orientated, you know, out past Sandy and like on those right. rivers and to show up, to show up at Silver Falls was you, quite fun. I just randomly looked at this. Um, the director was born in New Zealand. Oh, oh, that makes sense that they would be there. I did look him up. Yeah, that makes sense that they would film some of it there. Then. Maybe he had some B-roll already that he... <laughs> that could be. It, was, it was his short film that the, <laughs> that the longer version was based on. Did you see what else he directed? Uh-uh. No. Oh, I did, yeah. Uh, just a bunch of crap, or not, not even a bunch. He's only directed six things. But one of them is actually like one of my favorite movies that no one's ever really remembers. Um, do you remember the movie Eight-Legged Freaks? Yes. Oh, I did write that down. <laughs> Eight-Legged Freaks, he did two Return of the Living Deads. Right. And then Without a Pattern. Uh, without a Pattern. I never did see Eight-Legged Freaks. It's kind the, of fun. It's exactly what you would think. The David Arquette vehicle. Did you see uh, Slither? Yeah, with the was that the slugs? James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was kind really of good. very in that vein. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was maybe a little more cartoony than that. A little bit more cartoony, okay. but it's really fun. Okay, I should see that. It's it's cool. Yeah, um, he did he does have an interesting and I thought, well, maybe he's dead and not working anymore, but he's not. He's still no, he stopped not making working. movies. <laughs> One of those Return of the Living Dead directed video sequels he made was so bad that the studio that owned it auctioned uh, on eBay the rights to like everything. They were just here's the movie that rights wow. to distribute sell. You can own it. You can own this I movie. I wonder how much that sold for. Twelve dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we can because yeah, if we could use our Patreon money to like buy the <laughs> buy a rights movie of some movie that was filmed in Portland, <laughs> that would be a amazing oh, well, nobody is fun. claiming the rights of um steven miller's the millergy i haven't found i keep putting them on youtube hoping i get a copyright strike so i can hunt them down and buy the rights of those three movies let's from just that. start printing them and selling them <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> so the squirrels do this attack and like the the locals on the bar uh, warned about this thing in the woods and every once in a while in the movie we hear like off in the distance a big scary monster growl coming from the forest what was that because if we find that the squirrels are maybe attacking and killing people are all these like then what is the growling is the growling a separate monster is like, what was all of that growling? I don't think it served any purpose other than the fact it references, I think, what was said to them when they were in the bar. Just to get the bartender was like, there's, there's creatures out there or something. So then I wondered, like, are all those people dead? Are the wall of the dead actually dead? It's much funnier, Todd, if you just think of them as people that they thought they would never see. The non-locals. So they finally, they go off the Silver Falls and then they they end up finding well you're skipping over the oh, like the, the adventure the goonies part of the movie oh what, what am i forgetting where they're following the map that the bartender oh, had drawn yes, for them right. i'm sorry the one part that legitimately made me laugh out loud in this movie they're, they they go over <laughs> silver falls and they're crawling out of the river and well they keep referencing this map on their yeah, journey because which it's, the it's, bartender just had no he drew, he drew it for, for them. them oh i didn't see him draw it i just it's like as if it just a it took three seconds it's this very crude like back of a napkin map and he's like here's where we're the last known location of thunder child and it was, and it used like local reference to like at Grandpa Rock do this, and, and uh, shapely fit, ass fistful of balls and twin boulders, and so like <laughs> they go over Silver Falls and they're getting out of the river and they're like, oh well, thank, we still have the map or whatever, and they turn around and the one not Slater says, twin boulders, and the camera cuts to. <laughs> These rocks that aren't just like we saw the old man and kind of look like the old man and were like you could make out that people would think this was just like a carved set the, the Mount Rushmore of D cups. Like, 
like with nipples and every. It oh was yeah. Just and it reminded me when we did Binsworthy. Somebody found me that little plaster, the little <laughs> silver painted plaster boobs or whatever, and that's exactly what I mean because it was just so on the nose for what. And so it got me. I laughed. I, I yeah. laughed in spite of myself. It was it was written for twelve year olds. Like this was <laughs> written me. for twelve year old boys. It's just that they looked so much like boobs. Like it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't one of those like in you Naked Gun squint. where it's like everything I see reminds me of her. And it's like right. those two dome buildings. Well, then they followed it up with shapely ass. And see, but that one looked like more crack. That that looked more be natural to me. Like that could have been a nat. There is no way that twin boulders were a natural formation. <laughs> so yes that got me that got me to laugh they had a little tattoo at the top <laughs> <laughs> tram stamp growing in trees over um so then they yeah they follow the map to the girls is that what they where they are at that point i think so After they twin boulders they live which was a really cool set i was gonna say and i think it was a real place in the woods because there are some shots where you see the river in the background it looks real and it is just like this amazing elevated not even a, I mean to treat say to say a tree house is an insult to this it's like a tree house. Of this it's yeah. like a house like in the a two thousand square foot house. beautiful bungalow <laughs> two <style>. bedrooms <laughs> it had a, like a beautiful oak rain barrel up up top so that was really really neat because they really built that thing in the forest which I thought again of and the effort it must have taken to do that in in this movie uh, which I did think. I was surprised when I looked up the uh, cinematographer of this movie because I was like, this movie looks really great for what it is. Like, there's nothing special about the story or the acting, but like a lot of this stuff looks really good. And he, the cinematographer, works, puts out five to six movies a year that he works on and they're always like Deep Blue Sea 2, Tales from the Hood 3, You Can't Fight Christmas, Trafficked. A husband for Christmas, like all of the like tons of TV huh. and weird sequels. His first movies were, um, I believe the Critters, <laughs> Critters two and three. And like just all he is just a workhorse. And yeah, just right after Dangerous Worry Dolls without a paddle, Nature's Calling and then The Devil's Tomb. So he's just all over the board, but just has been working forever, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's neat. Um, so they find earth finger and thunder pants in their treehouse. That's their names. Who are two of like the prettiest, they're like 20, I guess in this story, cause it's after high school or whatever. Just two of like the model prettiest girls you've ever seen that apparently have been living in the forest for years and their hair is conditioned and curled and their makeup is perfect and their clothes are perfect. They're not your typical Oregon living in a treehouse hippies. No, they were no. not like the naked and afraid like <laughs> type these, survivalists. These were the influencer uh, <laughs> Oregonians. I mean, they have like throw pillows. There's electricity in oh, their yeah. cabin because there's lamps and like... So they are just doing great out there, whatever they're doing. So they're they're trying to stop loggers, the I guess. The hot tub. They have a hot tub. And that was what was so, <laughs> so... That they bathe each other in. It's yeah, kind of like a so... castle anthrax in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> so there, a lot of the last little act of this movie after they find these girls, the tone again gets very strange because like the two boys of course are like over the moon that they found the beautiful girls and are kind of oogling them like as they're in the hot tub and when the girls are in the hot tub they are just they're doing that thing that i guess 12 year old boys thinks girl how they girls act where they're like and like gently washing each other and just like the giggly and like just moronic and I thought there would be like maybe a twist on that, like like they were just, at, but it was that was their whole character in this movie was just that, like very low grade lesbian beauty, you know, femstick or femstick, <laughs> lipstick lesbian type, 
hinting at, you know, oh, and then they, they want to sleep with the two boys and like all of that you stuff. You want to spend the night, won't you? Yeah, and that's why I thought it was going to set up to like, oh, there was a misunderstanding and like it would explain that. But no, they were just, I mean, I guess they've lived in the forest for a couple of years now. So maybe they're just ready for that deed, no matter who it is, but... I found that to be very distracting because I thought oh. there at least be in 2009 be a little bit of a twist to that. So that's funny. I just checked the so the blonde girl, um, you know, the uh, the two guys they were the, they're the actors. They were both born in 1980. Uh, the 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 brunette does not list her date of birth, but the, the blonde was born in 1990. So she would have been literally maybe just graduated high school when this was filmed. Wow. And but I mean to be fair, but I thought both of the actresses did a good job with their part because there oh, yeah. are a couple other parts and I thought they were really good like they weren't bad actresses but I just felt bad the movie was making them do that I guess is <laughs> yeah. my point so it turns out that Earthfinger who is the one that not Slater had a crush on and like the whole she's the granddaughter of the of the wedding singer grandma it turns out that she has always had a crush on Zach the other one and so that for 10 minutes kind of causes confusion, but then like works itself out, but not before not uh, deflated Slater wanders into the forest and is captured by, by Hal Gore, by Hal, Hal Gore. Gore. Now, yeah. do you guys know who Hal, who played Hal Gore? I, I looked him up only because I looked. Yeah. I would not have because recognized I, him. I recognized his name and I was like, Oh, that's funny. He shares the name with like the greatest, wide receiver of all times San Francisco 49er Jerry Rice who it turns out is that Jerry is Jerry Rice. Rice in the only movie he doesn't appear as, as Jerry right. Rice so somebody the the writer or somebody in the production like thought it would be funny had to i mean that made no and then so there's that layer of it which makes no sense and then his character i mean which I guess in it did it does work because it's so weird. So his character is dressed kind of like Grizzly Adams. He's in pelts and furs. That scene reminds me of something that would have been in like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 Maybe he's the one make great growling in the in the forest <laughs> to keep Very people well away. There you go. Because he's kind of dressed like a bear or whatever and takes uh, mm-hmm. deflated Slater back oh, yeah. to his cabin. There's um, something in the woods. Yeah. It's Al Gore. And then it. <laughs> It turns out his name is Hal Gore, and he is literally cousins with Al Gore, like the politician, as he says, like, first the senator, and then he's mad because Al Gore gets all the attention, even though he, Hal Gore, is supposedly the smarter and a better athlete, he says. And and, and Al stole Tipper from him. (laughs) That's right. Which, I mean, these references, that's why I think this was like sitting around in a drawer for a while, because like this is 2009. Like Al Gore has not been in the public consciousness since like 1999 when... When did Inconvenient Truth come out? It was like... At the end of his, at their, of their presidency, the presidency. No. 2004? I'm say 2006. Oh, well, let's find out. And when, yeah, when was the Oscar for? Yeah, right. <clears throat> oh, 2006. Mm. Wow, that is much later than I thought. I thought that was, anyway. But still, for a movie aimed at 12-year-olds, I guess I'm saying, I guess that's how you know adults are writing. So maybe rice is a man bear pig. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's exactly it. But he had some, he had some hilarious lines because his character, like he's dressed in this scary pelts or whatever, and you think it's going to be dangerous, but it turns out he is a scientist living in the woods, studying global warming and has realized that it's squirrel farts that, are causing more of it and deflated Slater's like, Oh, you know, I heard that it's the same thing with cow flatulence. It really adds to, and Hal Gore stops and he goes, man, I never thought of the cows. I guess they would do much more than squirrels, which I thought was so funny (laughs) because already 
it was so off the rails. We had this character played by Jerry Rice, a cousin of Al Gore, studying squirrel farts. And it's just like this weird fever dream that started in at the end of our movie. So we've gone from uh, Pete's Dragon to <laughs> Superbad to uh, uh, Harold and Kumar. Harold and Kumar. Um, this whole time, I guess we neglected to say that they are also being hunted by two hitmen. Yes. Now, how are the hitmen related? Because they, they know uh, Nigel, the English kid, somehow as well. Yeah. So the the main they're, they're trying to get there is like one key plot point that I've totally missed, which is this: like, what is I their thought we were motivation? just choosing to ignore it. No. What is their? Purpose? What are they trying to? Like they're trying to get something. The inheritance, but how? Oh, the two, the thugs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe. Oh, here's maybe what it is. No, no, no. I, I know. Oh, okay. I, and I, I know, but I don't care. Oh, that's okay. why I hadn't brought it up. I thought we were just collectively ignoring this. All right, so here, here's what happened. I figured it out. Okay, let me get up my diagram. All right, so Nigel um, was a professional darts player in England, oh, God, and funny. he was hired by the mob to lose a match. And he couldn't bring himself to lose the match. So then um, it, it, it screwed up the mob's betting on the match and they lost out all their money. So now the mob is after Nigel to get the money that he caused them to miss out on. So Nigel's plan to get the money to pay off the mob is to take uh, Grandma Starbucks' uh, inheritance and give it to the mob. Okay. And so was Nigel was Nigel's plan to kill Earthfinger, the girl? Yes, because okay. she, she gets be, the because he's only the step grandson. The only thing standing in his way to claiming the inheritance is Earthfinger. Okay. All right, that clears it up I guess a little bit. What about her mom? She's not in the picture at all. They she drowned. <laughs> He got stolen by squirrels. That is weird that the mom is not in the picture because she must have been. What like, about his mom? Like that's true. Their grandchildren. That's not. There was a terrible accident, Mark. That was all covered in. Mark, when the movie tells you something, you just take it at face value. <laughs> this is not Christopher Nolan here. They did take the time to set some things up. They set up the darts. The whole stupid movie, which Nigel at the end. So the the two mobsters finally find the treehouse where the two girls and the two boys are are holed up in and then Nigel helps them fight by throwing some darts which threw them at the mobster's back and when the mobster turned around I'm like ooh throw it as at his eyeballs cuz he's like crotch. expert yeah or someone but he didn't do that there is a lot of crotch damage which I did like they set up the darts <laughs> and they set up the crotch killing floorboard <sighs> the salve yeah the mud pack <laughs> Right. What was the mud pack for, Mark? Are we going to talk about it? That, that was for for his equipment. Then that what he called it. I think so. Your your equipment got ravaged or whatever. <laughs> There's literally the gratuitous obligatory crotch shot where they step on a loose board in the treehouse, and the and, and like Zach steps on it and and it hits deflated Slater in the nuts, and and then as he's like writhing in pain, he steps on the same board, and the same board goes up on the other end and then hits Zach in the nuts, and so they're both like. Which incapacitated on the ground. It was the second time I laughed in this movie. <laughs> it wasn't the first one. It was when the first guy gets hit and then <laughs> it hits the board again and it hits the other guy. I, I appreciated that. <laughs> but and when we say like loose floorboard, we're not talking about like in a clubhouse, treehouse, wide floor. This is like a beautiful laid wood floor like you would see in a house. That Tongue is in and this groove. <laughs> Very house. like artisan, no nails. Connecting to the tile of the sunroom that they built for all of their vegetables. I really wanted to live in that place. The mosaic in the corner. <laughs> so there's the big fight. Um, the bad guys lose after kind of an extended wacky, you know, throwing of vegetables type type fight. It's and a then gunfight. Oh yeah, then they brought guns and then they throw pottery. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then somehow there's a, a hole in the floor of the treehouse. Uh, something explodes. There's a big explosion. Uh, they they reload the gun when he runs out of regular bullets, and oh, he, he right. puts a a grenade in there and 
launches a missile at him. Okay. Um, uh. And then when they finally get the last little bit, the uh, it turns out that Nigel woke up and saved them. All right. Good I job, mean, Nigel. Good job, Nigel. And Nigel has a, t- a turn of heart or whatever, so he's no longer the bad guy. Then all the... He's all, just annoying. He's just annoying. They walk over that cool bridge, which I don't think I'll ever be able to find, but it's like his neat little... Oh, no, it's... Um, <laughs> I looked it up. Um, Todd, we should go on a trip and go to Eagle Fern uh, State oh, Park. Yeah, they were mentioned in the, in the yeah. credits. Yeah. And uh, All-Star Rafting which was also mentioned in the credits. I'm sure they did a lot of the that, wide angle shots of, of some of the rapids. Cause there was a lot of stuff that I don't think it was the real actors. Although and that, I was trying to go ahead. I was gonna say that company all-star rafting is based in Maupin. Okay. Yeah. I think I might've used them before. I, I feel like I did. So there's one last at the very end of this movie. I think after uh, deflated Slater, he doesn't escape from Hal. Hal just lets him, Hal Gorgeous lets him escape. And so he's running back. And I think he knocks himself out. And then Zach comes up. And it's one of those things where one of the character, they're talking. And then the other one wants to say, uh oh, the bad guys are behind you with a gun. But the guy's like now. doing, yeah, doing like a <laughs> soliloquy of like, and then there's like, oh, but you don't see it. He's like, and what I really learned from the trip. And it's like that. So my promise to you guys is to. Never do that. <laughs> like, if you're trying to but tell me something, I'm not. Go- I'm not going to just keep talking Look right behind you. <laughs> Look, don't interrupt me. I'm uh, <laughs> at a good place right here. <laughs> this is a good part of the story. That is such a trope that I hate in these <laughs> movies to just draw out things like that. Uh, Kimberly Howard was also in this. She was also in Extraordinary Measures and in Management, which we haven't covered, but is a Jennifer Aniston movie that filmed here. Um, so there's a lot of people that show up in a lot of a lot of different two two different people in extraordinary measures alone. So it's fun it's fun to be able to probe into the IMDb uh, credits to find out who's who's still around and who's been in all this stuff that hopes we never find. <laughs> Hope we never associate the name Kimberly Howard with without a paddle nature's calling because she's trying to forget it. <laughs> I did come across a good number of new movies uh, um, from from there are some. Oh, good! I did send you. I don't. We should maybe cover this somehow. But on the Dead Portland Memories Facebook page, somebody posted like a ten minute um, James Bond kind of parody shot downtown Portland in the nineteen eighties, and I put <laughs> Brian looks confused. I put it in our group Facebook chat the other I day. That. that yeah, and so it's all like done on Super Eight film downtown, like huh. and it's on buses and in different areas of town which is a really neat thing to see uh, in that Dead Portland Memories group. So I think that's it for Without a Paddle, Nature's Calling. Perfect for your 12-year-old boy. <laughs> is it, though? Is it? <laughs> I, was, I was bummed. I thought all of the acting except for the two main leads, the two, the two male, made le- male leads. Wow, that was weird. Main leads? <laughs> May, thank you. Um, I thought they were not good. Like they didn't, I felt like everyone else at least kind of elevated their material a little bit better, but these two guys were just so Disney bland. There's like nothing. I didn't, I still don't know either. I guess Zach, since you told me, I don't know any of the names of those, those two guys or, and they were just not, they did an adequate job, I think, but not, it's not like a Matthew Lillard or a Seth Green where at least they're watchable. So, I mean, the, the unfortunate thing about this movie is that it, it unfortunately was exactly what you would expect from a direct video sequel. To Which is not a real nature's sequel. Paddle. <laughs> a, a, <laughs> nature's Paddle. Nature's Paddle. A direct video movie based on the 2004 movie Without a Paddle When Nature Calls. Yeah. That's like, exactly what you think. Well, and that's what I guess... You were hoping it was going to be just a dumpster fire. Or that it would be at least silly, silly fun and funny, but why I think it also highlighted how well done some of the things were like the set of that, of the treehouse and the river stuff and like how much actual effort seemed to be put into that because it was not put into the script or the story, which I just thought were terrible. I suspect this is going to be one of our most forgettable movies that we ever watch. (laughs) 
when we when we do the list of a hundred <laughs> and we try to remember all hundred movies. I'll remember seen. the rafting from this, oh, I yeah. think. And maybe the Silver Falls. I'll never remember I'll never forget Thunderpants. <laughs> and Earth Thund- Earth Finger and Thunderpants. Thunder eggs. Uh, <laughs> never forget. So do we think what do we think happened at the end of? Th- I mean, we see them all on the bridge and kissing and and stuff like that. And everything was resolved. <clears throat> do we think Earthfinger and Thunderpants return to the forest? Do they go back to civilization with oh, no, the boys? You, no, the, 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 the two boys went to live with them. Went in the to live house. in nature. Yeah. Well, the the or they uh, get the inheritance. They get the inheritance. There are some. Can some... we talk about why they, there is an inheritance? Yeah. Oh sure. She she bought twenty thousand grandma. The grandma. Bought twenty thousand shares of Starbucks at the uh, inception of Starbucks. Well, stock. if she did that, and with five sales stock splits, that means is how they describe that in the movie. Done. It was just a little bit weird, like uh, having Starbucks be the th- the movies in Oregon. Oh, yeah, it was Starbucks. It was like what? <laughs> Boyd's. She bought Boyd's coffee because she stock yeah, Dutch, <laughs> should have been Dutch Brothers. <laughs> she, yeah, and. Well, she was mentioning, you know, I've got some money in my coffee maker. Uh, right. Point, oh. Points over. And, at, the, oh, and then the camera, the camera literally pans over the coffee to the maker. Coffee right. Maker. Yeah. right. There's yeah. money in the banana stand. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and so that was. So, that, yeah. Do they, ret- do they just get rich and return to the forest? Do they buy that forest to save that? Because they were, their intentions thund- were right. Thunder- Thunderstorm said. You know, uh, uh, I'm ready to leave to go be with a lawyer. And so she was indicating she's ready to leave the forest. She's done and, with that shit. And, but and, the character arc for the, the guys is more like, oh, I hate this job. And right. because now we're rich. Yeah. Because we're going to. Although it because, it, yeah, that was the typical. <laughs> now we're rich. It was a typical like overworked attorney type thing. And but his friend worked at the convalescent home. And had never complained, which seemed very rewarding. He seemed to enjoy it. He was, and so like he, it was more like Zach, who worked at the convalescent home, was upset about the other guy's job. Yeah. The other guy never seemed to complain. He was always busy and he was always talking about that, but he never complained. Like I, he wanted to do his, his well, there was type the, of case. There was the scene when he was having his equipment uh, massaged where he was talking to uh, Thunder Eggs and she was telling him that she used to be in the banking industry or something and that it was a she soul. She did foreclosure. Foreclosures, right? Oh, right. Do you have that audio clip I sent you? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot. Oh, there's one other, and uh, I'll get to, let me get to your audio clip first and then I have another an, another audio thing. So this is that scene. <laughs> okay. I used to be just like you. Property foreclosures, putting people out of their home for profit. And I passed through Oregon on business. Saw these woods. Haven't looked back since. Wow. So she just, she, she just, uh, oh, Oregon into the wild did it <laughs> and abandoned her van and walked into the woods. It's very much a backstory for a social media influencer. Like <laughs> it really it's is not. It's not really what happened. It's her story. Right. What? And it's hard to describe because I know no one's going to watch this movie. How beautifully appointed their treehouse is. <laughs> like it is. I would live there in a heartbeat. It's like it the Swiss so Family nice. Robertson trees treehouse. <laughs> yeah. So there was. Let me see what time code this is. They played this little music cue at the end. Did they end out on another '90s song? I don't think so. I think they ran out of money. (laughs) So let's see if they play this music cue here. They needed some blues traveler to really round it out. (laughs) I'm sorry. Does that remind you of anything? That little piece of music? Play it again here. So I was like, where do I know that from? And then it hit me that it... Do you know what this is? Is it from um, uh, Robin Hood? Uh, Prince of Thieves? Kind of close. It's from The Princess Bride. Oh, that is God. like Buttercup's theme from The Princess Bride. <laughs> and I'm like, that's... Uh, in the spirit of The Princess Bride, which I thought was funny, but... 
that all she wrote for When Nature Calls the Thunderclaps story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not looking forward to getting back into the heat, but we are done discussing this movie. So thank you all for listening. We will be back next month with something or other. Um, I will play uh, Brian the Unipiper. Uh, we are getting close to summer here. Is there any Unipiper things coming up that uh, you have on the docket? Uh, the Mermaid Parade. Everybody should come out and uh, enjoy the fact that we live in Portland and it's still awesome despite what you hear on the news. And uh, we're going to be celebrating uh, mermaids on July 31st. In, July 31st. Uh, on the downtown waterfront. Downtown what? So what does that entail? Like, is there a... Oh, th- there is the Portlandia Mermaid Society uh, led by Una the Mermaid. And they are bringing in uh, the uh, founder and curator of the International Mermaid Museum. Um, uh, I think Mike Bennett is going to be doing some uh, mermaid art for this. Um, it's going to be a big celebration. Wow, that's mermaids. really it. That's on the waterfront. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Mark, anything with you? You're healing well. No, I'm healing well. Good. Yeah. And so, uh, Mark and Toddcast, check us out. Markandtoddcast.com and talk about Portland and uh, sciency things. Yes. Uh, we will talk to everyone later. Stay cool out there. Here's whatever plays at the end credits. Wow, that is certainly not what I was expecting. Is that the end credits? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's pictures at the end credits. Yeah, Yeah, Hal Gore. Oh, Grandma's bad. Hal Gore gets some recognition. Oh, this is like, what a treat I'm getting. Oh, they are living. There are pictures of them in the (gasps) treehouse. From football to forest, what's next for Hal Gore? Wilderness pets. From squirrel. Oh, boy. What a weird, what a weird thing to include in this movie.